Welcome to another PSD cast from Power Systems Design. I'm your host, Alex Palt, and today I've got the friend of the show, Jonah Teeter Balin from Aerovironment, and uh, we're going to talk about another aspect of the smart grid. Isn't that right, Jonah? Welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks for having me, and yes, that's right. We're totally uh, talking batteries in smart grid today. Yes, because, well, you know, obviously smart grid is such a huge thing with so many moving parts. You know, I, I've often likened it to the blind men and the elephant. So uh, you mentioned batteries, so I guess the part of the elephant that we're grabbing onto today is uh, grid stiffening. That's right, grid-tied energy storage. Um, so we were at the battery show in Novi, Michigan, and we got back a couple of weeks ago. And there were quite a lot of folks talking about grid-tied energy storage. And I had the opportunity to talk to a number of people about that. And it sounds like, you know, there's some interesting things happening in the grid, uh, grid-tied energy storage world right now. Mm-hmm. Now, there, I mean, obviously, there are so many different levels to the challenge of grid modernization as a whole, you've got the core technologies you've got to agree upon, the interfaces that you have to agree upon, the hardware infrastructure interfaces that you have to agree upon, and then the software interfaces that you have to agree upon. That's a lot of challenge, isn't it? It it absolutely is. And I would add one more to that, which is the economic viability of all of these different solutions and opportunities. And the two that we heard the most about um, where where companies are investing is in frequency response or frequency management and also load shifting. And so Mm -hmm. um, even right here in California, we have a a couple of utilities that are on the forefront of this research and this uh, investment. And um, they were talking about you know, what is the optimum way that they can use grid-tied energy storage to provide the most economic benefit? And for them, it wasn't clear, is that on the frequency response side? Is that on the uh, load shedding or demand uh, shifting um, side? Or is it a combination thereof? And so there's pilots going on right now with um, one of our large utilities, Um, actually in my neck of the woods in L.A., SoCal Edison, um, where they are investigating that very very topic. Excellent. See, now, the whole, pardon me, the whole issue there is the commercialization. It's almost as if you've not only got to educate everyone on it, you've got to educate them on why, you've got to educate them on why they need to, buy it, you've got to educate them on how they need to invest and develop it, you've got to educate them in every facet, what do you consider the biggest challenge in getting the commercialization done? I I think that today it's what is really going to be the best way to deploy grid-tied energy storage. So we have a little bit of a, um, maybe not a space race, but two competing visions for how that might work. You have large-scale utilities who are increasingly facing competition from um, non-standard energy sources like rooftop solar who are investing in grid-tied energy storage to allow them to manage these um, renewable energy loads that may be less predictable than our current um, our current uh, power plants, and you also mm-hmm. have folks looking at on the other side of the spectrum, looking at you know taking a Tesla Powerwall and combining that with rooftop solar, and and driving an electric vehicle, and managing they're basically almost being grid independent. 
And there's, there's back and forth related to that. And so, you know, even if you were to be grid independent, you may still want a backup in case your own solutions fail. And so then the utilities are saying, well, we can, we want to provide not just that backup because that could be, you know, we may not have a lot of money just to provide backup. We want the full, we want to provide everything. We want to be the supplier of renewable energy. We want to be the grid manager and uh, the infrastructure provider. Um, and so those two competing visions for the future of our energy are, are I think, are really, it's playing out right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, and, and, well, and, and that's the whole thing is that there, there are so many places to grab on that. Now, as far as our environment is concerned, what's the next step beyond this? I mean, this is the current uh, hill to uh, seize, as it were, but we know it's really just the foothills of a mountain. That's right. And we're actually playing in one part of that in particular, which is related to electric vehicles. So as you know, we provide electric vehicle charging infrastructure for both people in their homes and uh, in the workplace. And what we found is that um, as time goes on and more EVs are um, being driven, you're going to have an increasing um, demand for charging those electric vehicles and thus an increasing demand for energy. And that when people charge their EVs may not uh, match what the current profile is for energy demand and, and even energy supply. So we're, we've started to work with utilities around um, and pilot programs around how you could manage um, manage to charge those electric vehicles with the minimum amount of additional capacity required from the utilities or even perhaps charge when it's the most valuable time to charge from a utility standpoint. So when they have energy um, in abundance and not a lot of, of demand from um, demand from the grid to supply it. So, for example, in the middle of the night um, when wind tends to blow hard, there's a lot of wind power available. And at night, there's not a lot of else going on. There's not a lot of lights on. Air conditioning is, is not required as, as much as it is in the middle of the day. And generally, factories are closed for the night. And so, you know, if you can then charge your electric vehicle when that energy is in abundance, you are doing a service for the grid supplier in that they don't have to um, find somewhere to put that energy or even uh, sell it at a loss, uh, which happens sometimes. Um, they can actually put it to good use and put it in the electric vehicle. Also, there's a similar um, opportunity in the middle of the day when solar is at peak generating capacity you know, generating at the peak, and you can take that solar energy and also use it to charge electric vehicles. And so that, right. but the thing is, is that that may not be consistent from day to day to day. Let's say you have a cloudy day, or let's say the wind doesn't blow at night. How can you still make sure that your, um, you know, me as a consumer driving an electric vehicle is going to be able to do what I need to do on, you know, to get to work, um, to pick up my kids from school, to go to their game in the afternoon, to go shopping at, at night. And, uh, and still do what the grid wants to do from not um, exceeding the capacity of the grid and not adding extra generating capacity unnecessarily. Right. Well, I mean, but then again, that's a no-brainer that in order to integrate alternate next-generation energy and to, de- and to develop a truly value-added grid, it has to be uh, properly integrated with not only the stiffening side, but the predictive side, the monitoring side. The ma- I mean, it's, it really has to be a seamless gestalt. Um, 
Now, let's say I want to start working with our environment. How do I get involved? Where's your website? You know, I mean, obviously you've been on the show before, but I want to make sure you let all of our new listeners that are just getting to know our environment, where do they go? How do they get information? Uh, what can you do for them? So our, our corporate website is avinc.com, so avinc.com. And then we have, um, in my side of the house, where our uh, commercial businesses, we have our, um, our EV charging, which you can find at evsolutions.com. You have our industrial forklift and airport ground support equipment at posicharge.com. And we have mm-hmm. our high-power test systems, which we actually showed at the battery show, um, which are used for the development of electric vehicles. They're used by utilities for testing products in relation to the grid. Um, they're used in battery pack development and a whole host of other applications. And that's at avtestsystems.com. Excellent. Jonah, as you know, um, I always let my guests have the last word on the show. So uh, you could tell us a little bit more about um, AeroVironment Services, or you could tell us a little bit more about the company, or just a tip for the audience. But as you know, the floor is yours. Well, thank you. So um, we have uh, we launched uh, earlier this year our newest entry to the forklift charging market, which is Procore, our Procore charger. It's a smartphone-enabled um, and connected charger that we're using to you know, really optimize battery management and battery charging for forklift fleets. Um, and so you know that the e-commerce world is growing. They're um, distribution centers and warehouses are growing at an exponential pace and um, at a very rapid pace, I should say. And, you know, we're there to support that growth and, uh, you know, on the electric forklift side. So not something we've talked a lot about. I think we've talked a lot about our, our EV space, but uh, we actually uh, have been a pioneer in the electric forklift charging market for uh, about 16, 17 years now. Oh, really? That's very interesting. But then I guess that makes all the sense in the world uh, because you have to have a broad background technical base to be able to generate innovative next generation solutions for new application spaces. Yeah, we you know we've been ever since uh, uh, the mid 1990s when um, GM contracted us to develop the uh, EV1. Um, which became, or I should say, the GM Impact, which became the EV1 car that they commercially right. released um, in the in the mid to late 90s. Um, you know, we've been in the electric vehicle space, and um, when that market went away, we look, had all this expertise around batteries and battery charging, and we looked for a market that you know we could apply it to, and we found that electric forklifts was a very uh, is a growing and very vibrant market, and uh, we were able to help. Um, uh, help that market grow significantly, um, and it has. And, in fact, the majority of, elect- of forklifts in the United States are now electric. Um, so it's, it's a situation where the, the uh, work market, or I should say the business world, has adopted electric vehicles faster than the consumer market. Well, but then again, in the consumer market, you have to persuade someone that uh, a color change is uh, a reason to, ch- to buy a new product, whereas in the business world, you actually have to address a need. That, that's very true. And, and I, there are, you know, you got that exactly right. There are definitely differences between the, um, the business world and the consumer world when it comes to the products and solutions um, that, that we offer. And we're very aware that, uh, you know, our, and we, we treat the markets uh, differently, although there's a lot of related technology between them. Very cool. So, 
Jonah, again, thank you so much for coming by the show. I want to bring you back again, as always, because obviously, as I said, we're in the foothills. A long way to go before we reach the summit, and uh, we need a good tour guide. Absolutely, and it would be my pleasure to do so, Alex. Thank you for having me. Oh, the pleasure is mine. And I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to be with us. wouldn't be here without you. Tell your friends. This is Alex Paul for Power Systems Design. Have a great day.